Gaudate Sunday is the Sunday where traditionally in the liturgical tradition of the Western Church, we focus on celebration and joy. So what I would like to do this morning is to see if I can't say one or two things about joy that might be helpful. And then I would like to tell you a story. So what can I say about joy that would be helpful? Well, here's my first attempt. Outward circumstances or events cannot produce abiding joy. Joy doesn't come from going to Disney World, although going to Disney World is a good thing and it can be a pleasant experience. Joy is something deeper. Joy is not having a nice Christmas meal with the family, although that's a good thing to do and it can produce a good feeling for a while. But joy is something deeper. Joy is a quality of the inner life. It grows within us as we learn how to live in God's presence. And you say, George, that's kind of a funny thing, learning how to live in God's presence. We're always in God's presence. God is everywhere, and it's certainly true. We are always in God's presence. Another way to say it is, God is always present to us. Here's the question. Are we present to him? Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. And every one of us have done the same thing. And it not only resulted in guilt, it resulted in damage. And so the process of Christian discipleship is learning how to return to the presence of God in our experience. Now, I'm aware, we're all aware, that there are just large numbers of people, even large numbers of Christians, who feel bad about themselves. Down deep, there's a sense of what? Guilt, failure, unworthiness. I'm, I'm unworthy. I have failed. Negative feelings about the self. And there's all kinds of psychological approaches to that. Let me give you the best. The best cure for that is to learn to live in the presence of your father and hear him say, I love you. And hear him say it in a way that you know he has said it. Because once you hear your father saying to you, John, Sue, Jack, Joyce, Bill, Betty, I love you. I love you. That negative feeling about ourselves will gradually dissipate. And in its place will come joy. Now, we're talking about love, but all of a sudden we're talking about joy. So this is another thing to know about joy. Joy has two other siblings. One of them is love. One of them is peace. Love, joy, and peace are experienced together. They are components of the one fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever heard about the fruits of the Spirit? Well, actually, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit. And then it goes on to list the different components of the one fruit of the Spirit. It starts off with love. Then it goes to joy. Then it goes to peace. So these are all things that grow within us as we learn through Christ to return to God's presence. So... If you are violating love, you won't know a lot of joy. 
Violations of love, bitterness, anger, contempt, separation, any kind of violation of love will dissipate joy. And did you notice in the Philippians 4 reading, Paul starts off talking about joy and ends up with peace. Love and joy produce peace. So if we are active in destroying peace, relationally, in the family, in the parish, in society, in our political conversation, if we are instruments of the destruction of peace, joy will dissipate. So joy comes as we learn to live in God's presence. It's something that's deep. Secondly, key to learning how to live in God's presence is learning how to locate our thoughts correctly. The locating of the thoughts. Now, this is a key thing to understand. Locating the thoughts cannot produce joy. So you say, well, George, that's really confusing, what you just said. Let's say it again. You cannot get to joy by making your thoughts think about joy. You get to joy by setting your thoughts on God. Because it's God that produces joy. So, how do I put my thoughts in the right place. Two habits that we are taught by Paul to cultivate prayer and thanksgiving. Pray without ceasing. You know, there's always something to pray about. Do other people come to your mind? Ever ever have this experience? Somebody comes to your mind and it's a negative thought. That person is this, that, and the other thing. I don't like that person. That A negative thought comes to your mind about another person. How do you respond to that? One way is to immediately pray for their blessing. Lord, bless this person. If we don't know how to pray for them, Lord, teach me how to pray for this person. Because there's a, there's a powerful component of prayer where we start off praying for something and we don't really know how to pray. So what do we do? It's called, we pray into it. We pray into it. Lord, teach me how to pray for this person. Teach me how to pray for this situation. Teach me how to pray for my parish. Teach me how to pray for our country. Teach me how to pray for the world. So prayer and then thanksgiving. And everything give thanks. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Can we really give thanks in everything? Is that really possible? Is God really good? What about when negative things happen? Bad things happen. Painful things happen. Loss happens. How can we give thanks in that? Four thoughts or four ways of thinking, four thought patterns which dissipate joy. So here are four thought patterns to just have in mind when you think about placing your thoughts. Number one, looking back in vain regret. Looking back. Vain regret. At loss or failure. Have you ever failed? Can you look back on your life and see at times when you failed? I can. I can. I got plenty of them. Look back, and boy, I really, really failed in that particular situation. So looking back in vain regret. Secondly, looking forward, worrying about the future. Thirdly, looking inward, absorbed with ourselves. Brothers and sisters, we live, don't we, in a, such a narcissistic age. And everybody is, not everybody, Huge numbers of people are absorbed with themselves. They can't get their thoughts off themselves. And there's all kind of reinforcement for this. There's all kind of actually teaching that leads us into absorption with ourselves. 
Absorption with ourself will trap us in immaturity and lead to the victim mentality. Woe is me. I have it so bad. This person did this to me. The church did this to me. The government did this to me, etc., etc. Absorbed with ourselves. And then fourthly, looking around, taking our identity from others, what other people think. Who are you? Are you what other people think about you? So in all of these four cases, what is the problem? We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the wrong thing. Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. You've been raised with Christ. He's above. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Our thoughts are focused on God, and all of a sudden reality begins to, in significant ways, readjust itself. You know, I just love these, this awesome part of this passage. I just want to read it again, talking about the thoughts. Whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your mind on those things and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, here's the last point before the story about joy. Growth in abiding joy inevitably leads through suffering and loss. What do you think of that? Is it true? Human life involves suffering and loss. If you haven't experienced suffering and loss yet, get ready. It'll come. Suffering and loss. Sometimes severe suffering. Sometimes severe loss. Sometimes suffering and loss that seems like life is no longer worth it. Severe stuff. The path to joy leads through that. God's ultimate purpose in every trial he allows is always good. Are you ready to believe that? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How can that be? When these severe experiences of suffering and loss come to us. The key to experience God's rich, full, beautiful, abundant blessing in suffering and loss is how I choose to respond. I look back on the suffering and loss that I've experienced. I don't say it's so great. It isn't so great, so deep. But in almost every case I can think of, I reacted to begin with in the wrong way. Same old thing. Woe is me. Somebody did something against me. This wasn't fair. So the key is learning to respond in the right way. 
Now, so many Bible verses, just, this one just comes to me. This is an example of Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was the energy that took Jesus to the cross? Well, we know to begin with that foundationally it was love. It was love that took him to the cross. But what comes together with love? Joy. And the energy that took Jesus to the cross was also joy. Not joy in the cross, but joy of what lay on the other side of the cross. And that's our experience. As we learn how to respond correctly with our eyes focused on God in the presence of the risen Christ, when we learn to respond correctly to suffering and loss, every trial that God allows turns out to be filled with blessing beyond description. I think many of you know that Hannah and I have another life. Other than Phoenix and CCA, we love this life. Our other life is in Germany. Our German friends have been after us for a month to come to Germany for Christmas. And that's a hard thing to say no to because if you've ever been to a German Christmas, let me tell you, that's a good thing to be at. But we did say no. In the year 2016, we were in the city of Lotz, Poland. It's the second time we were there. In 1941 and 1942, the Nazis built a Jewish ghetto in Lotz. The, the Poles call it Wuch. So let me just call it Wuch, makes it more real. In Wuch, there was a Jewish ghetto. Hannah's parents, Hannah had already escaped Germany July the 24th, 1939. Her parents, October the 30th, 1941, we've seen the list on the train, their names, they were deported from Cologne to Wuch. And they were kept in the ghetto for six months in Wuch, in the most horrific experiences. On May the 3rd, 1942, they were rounded up with other Jews. And they were taken to a village, Polish village, 70 kilometers away from which the name of that village is Kelmno. In Kelmno, the Nazis were beginning to experiment with killing people by gas, because up to that point, they had been shooting people. You've probably seen pictures of this, particularly there's a very famous picture in Ukraine of Jews being lined up in front of a ditch, and the Nazis just shooting them, and they're falling into the ditch, and then another group shooting them, falling into the ditch. But they couldn't kill people fast enough, so they started experimenting with gas. Hannah's parents were some of the first Jews that died with the gas, and this is how they did it. They took them to Kelmno. They took them to a building. They told them, you know, the shower thing. You're going to have a shower, and then we're relocating you. Take off all your clothes, put all your physicians here, go into the shower. So my parents-in-law were put into the shower by people speaking the German language. And as they went into the shower, they were forced into a gray truck that was backed up to the ramp. And they and 70 other Jews were forced into the truck. The door closed, the gas turned on, the truck driven to the forest. 
And by the time they got to the forest, 20 minutes later, they're all dead, opened the door of the truck, pulled the bodies into a mass grave. That's how Panda's parents died. That was in Kelmno. 2016, we're back in Wuch. What are we doing in Wuch? A Christian community called Chemin Neuf. In French, that's called the New Way. Catholic community originally, but now it's an ecumenical community. They were having a festival for young people in which, and they asked Hannah to come and share her testimony in the very place where her parents had been held captive. So there's Hannah. I've got pictures of it. I wish you could see this. She's standing in front of 5,000 young people from 40 different countries, and she's pouring out her heart about the power of Christ to transform the inner life. And after she did that, we went to Kelmno again. But this time, with us, were six Germans. Six Germans. Let me tell you about one. We met a woman while we were in which in the hotel at the breakfast buffet. She's French. She gets to talking to us. Her husband's German. They live in Versailles. I don't know what he does, but it's clear that he has a high-paying job. The next morning, we meet her husband. He's German. He gets to talking to Hannah and begins to break down weeping at the breakfast buffet in the hotel. We're in the hotel. There's a breakfast buffet. He's weeping about the sins of his ancestors, and he doesn't really know what his father and grandfather did, but he's so burdened about this whole thing. So we say to him, we're going to Kelmno tomorrow. Do you want to go with us? We're going to stand in the place where Hannah's parents and the other Jews were put into the gas truck, and we're going to pray there, and we're going to ask Jesus to come into that place with his healing presence and transform that evil and drive out the darkness and do something there that is beautiful and redemptive. And he said, yes, I want to come. So we stood there. Hannah stood at the very place. They've got it marked now. The poles have got it marked. The very place where the Jews, including her parents, put into the gas truck. And Hannah laid two white roses. And on one side of her was three Germans. Get me through this, Lord. And on the other side of her were three Germans. And a Jewish Holocaust survivor with six other Germans who know know Jesus joined together in prayer that Jesus would come into that place with his cleansing and his healing and his power. And after that happened, young women sang Hebrew songs to Hannah. And at the end of it all, that man, that German man said to me, this is the most significant day of my life. The Thurman family was with us. Ryan and Nolene and their four kids, they were with us. Ask them about it. What are we talking about? Joy. We're talking about joy. We're talking about something deep. We're talking about something that's deeper than pain and loss. We're talking about something that comes in the presence of Christ. We're talking about something that's filled with love and peace and beauty and redemption. Joy. Joy. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling us to joy in his presence. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are alive. We bow before you. King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, they mocked you. They said, he trusted in God, let God deliver him. 
if he delights in him. And Lord, you went to the cross for us and you rose again. Teach us your ways. We pray, our Father, in Jesus' name.